Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? An obscure body in the SK system, Your Majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as the Helming Power Hour. <laughs> kick us off with a special song i love that song queen of course i'm in love with my car welcome to the hell Ming power hour this is kind of a special episode we're kicking off something new with the webcast for one thing and uh we're looking forward to that episode 14 episode 14 and it would be hard to be in love with these cars because these cars want to kill you right so we got two awesome movies so our first ever listener episode where we get to kind of do the movies that the listener have requested so uh, it's going to be a fun show. Like we said, two killer car movies, The Car and Christine. And as you notice in the video, if you're watching, we've got our good friend Jacob Kennedy hanging out with us. Glad he's here with us as well. Like we said, we're just trying new things here, and uh, hopefully we're going to start launching this and doing it this way. We can catch both episodes through the podcast and through the webcast at the same time, or vice versa, or at different times. How about that? Different times? French horn. French horn. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. Hello to the Hail Ming Power Hour. Sam Jones, Flash Gordon, death to Ming. So, I can't believe here we are. We've been podcasting for seven months, six really, if you look at it. And we've got Sam Jones saying something about the Hail Ming Power Hour. Never would have dreamed that starting this thing off. That's incredible. Our good buddy Gary Hill did that for us. He got to meet uh, Sam Jones. And, man, we, we just really appreciate that, man. Yeah. Thanks so much, Gary, for uh, for tracking him down and getting him to do something for us. We we won't forget it. We'll try to do something for you next time we get an opportunity. Yeah, I, I don't know how much more awesome that can be for us as a show, except for our guest that we have with us, Mr. Jacob Kennedy. Who, uh, if you've been listening through the past episodes, you've heard him quite a bit. He does all of our voices for Synopsis. Well, not all of them, but a big majority of them. <laughs> he does a fantastic job. He's a lot of fun. And we're tickled to have him with us. And uh, say hi, Jake. Hey. <laughs> I think he did uh, Ringo Starr. Is that right? <laughs> I think he did Linda Brer. Yeah, Linda Brer. Linda Brer. Hey, man. Denise Craddock. <laughs> Denise Craddock. <laughs> the Eliminators. And they got the Ninja. Mandroid. <laughs> The ninja. <laughs> okay, so we're going to jump right into our first movie, which is the 1977 classic, if you want to call it classic, The Car. I like this movie. I remember seeing it back on regular uh, regular broadcasting networks, you know, back in the, the R-N-B. R-B-N, the National Broadcasting Bro- Networks. Robin. Oh, the, the R-B-N. The old Robin. The old Robin. 
Yes. So <laughs> I grew up watching this uh, from time to time. Haven't seen it in a long time. I still like it. I think it's fun. It's nuts. It was better than I thought it was going to be. I was not familiar with it. Um, we're talking the age gap again, I think. Uh, 77, I was three. But uh, I did catch a lot of those movies as they reran, and I didn't catch this one. I was I was pleasantly surprised, though. The The car was sufficiently intimidating you know the the movie came together well and, and it was obvious that they were they were giving more than a nod and a wink to uh jaws but it most certainly was was a, an entertaining film i really right. enjoyed it so we'll jump into all that in a minute but what we need right now is for our synopsis of the car mr jacob Kennedy is going to do that for us take it away jake the car a 1977 film right parental guidance 96 minutes long Action horror mystery. Burt Macklin's a used van salesman. For about 30 years, vans had been the whole world's automobiles. Until one day, they had a mini minivan called the car. He's trying to sell it, but the horror part is at what price? It stars in Manning, Johnny John Jonathan, and Samantha Samuel Sam. It's a good film. It's directed by two-time second-place winner Silverstein. And also, the car is not like McQueen. That's pretty much it. <laughs> that was that was amazing. <laughs> yeah! oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> the, the live audience loves it. <laughs> stop! 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 Please stop! Please stop! Yeah, they're, they're, they're gonna, y'all sit back down. Sit back down. Okay. The, uh, and the world was vans. Yeah. When the world was vans. Turn around, but a mini minivan. I saw a picture of the poster and I thought it looked like a van. So. <laughs> All right. So let's jump into this one. <clears throat> Danny, give us a reason of why people should watch The Car. Okay, so a reason to watch The Car. Uh, I'm going to skip right past the teenage death scene that starts it all off, although it is a reason to see it. It's just a tie into Jaws, and I'm going to go straight into the second with the Jaws-inspired soundtrack. Absolutely. Like, uh, you know, whenever the car came around, he has a he has a, a soundtrack that's very similar to that of Jaws that uh, really brings the intimidating stalker feel to this uh, this horrifying demonic creation that runs people down on the roads. Uh, let's face it; it sounds a lot like the Jaws music. I yeah. mean, maybe even a little plagiarism going on there. Just yeah. saying, it's inspired. It's Bye. definitely inspired. So, but yeah, I think that's, I think you're dead on with that. So the soundtrack, absolutely. He just brought up Jaws to me. He said it earlier too. The movie is Jaws on Land. You guys know I'm a big Jaws fan. So yeah, it is Jaws on Land. Even to even uh, character development, it feels like Jaws. So uh, that's my first big reason. We'll call it the Jaws connection. The Jaws connection. Is it safe, Sheriff Brody? Is it safe, Sleater Kinney? <laughs> yep. So, <clears throat> uh, another reason I've got, you know, other than the, the Jaws inspired soundtrack, and I did kind of bounce over the, the teens getting killed at the beginning. Which is uh, awesome. Yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome. a great, it's a great establishment scene for the, for the killer car. Uh, two teens are out biking and they meet a perilous end as they, you know, lock proverbial horns with this, uh, this menace on the road. And uh, really, they didn't stand a chance. Because it didn't, didn't really have horns. That, they're proverbial horns. Oh, proverbial horns. 
It's is is like that the one that goes, bang, bang, That proverbial horn? <laughs> and this, this noise that it makes, this this horn that it blows, it'll be stuck in your head for the next... It's still stuck in my head, so I'll tell you when it's out. Right. Speaking of horns, my next reason is the French horn non-hippie guy. Yeah, there's this hippie. Um, no, that, that he's not a up. hippie. Well, you know, there were holdovers from the hippie movement from the 60s that, that probably continued on until 1977. Nope. And one of them was written into this movie. He, uh, he's, he's singing to the birds and talking about how awesome his instrument is there. And we're not talking about his instrument. We're talking about his French horn that he has in a little case. And he talks to a wife beater about it. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's one of these, it's a heartwarming scene that, that really brings the humanity of the West in a way that you totally can understand. He's not a hippie. And Hippies don't play French horn. That's just, that's it. Hippies don't play French horn. I don't think that hippies are prohibited from playing any brass instrument. And if they were, then they'd probably protest about it. I mean, hippies do hitchhike. I'll give you that. But a lot of people did in the 70s, man. Sure. So, well, they did in the 60s and the 70s. I'm just saying he was a holdover hippie type. Because no. he, was, he was hitchhiking the country. He was... Old hippy dippy no, about, no, he about about he wore string he wore straight leg jeans he wore a tank top and straight leg jeans that's not a hippie hey you know if you want to reduce jean it, jacket if you want to reduce it to to fashion statements then go ahead what how do you, you want to reduce it to fashion statements he wasn't wearing a great big wrought iron peace sign I'll give you that right but or he anything, would have if somebody had given him because there weren't hippies in he would have if somebody had given him. <laughs> Well, you get to witness our first argument on the Hell Mean Power. That's pretty intense. Yeah. All right. Good. Yeah, so, so yeah. So the the non hippie guy playing the French horn. That's my that's my next one. What all you right. Got? My next reason is the hippie guy <laughs> playing the French horn. They mean that. Hell Mean. I will say that this is a uh, it's a scene that is enjoyable to watch. That the character is a he's a free spirit and he's kind of playing to the sunrise and he ends up having an encounter with a guy who's a he's not playing to the sunrise he's just <laughs> he's playing while the sun is rising all right so the next reason i've got is uh ronnie cox who plays luke he also is the uh is the head man of ocp and uh robocop yeah. and as soon as i saw him i said where have i seen him before and the answer was deliverance everywhere, everywhere. <laughs> deliverance we do live in the south and so deliverance has a special place you know i've been to the nantahala I was not violated when I was there, thank goodness. But uh, yeah, so so Ronnie Cox, he plays a deputy who is struggling with his uh, his previous problems with drinking, and uh, he does his, a stellar job as a as a character in the uh, law enforcement. He's very emotional in this movie. Too. He is. He That's is. what's kind of weird. So you go from like you know killing everybody in RoboCop to being Mister Affection in this movie. So. I believe he uses the term "iron butt" in uh, in RoboCop when he's he's saying what people used to call the boss when he was in the uh, right in the wage slave years. Right. So my next reason—that's a good one. I have to give you that one. Yeah. I, I've got James Brolin is the man's man. He is. He is. You. I mean, he's he's everything that a '70s man wanted to be. Man, he had kind of the Burt Reynolds look going on with the mustache. Matter of fact, there's even a scene of him driving a police car. He's got shades and a cowboy hat, and he looks like Burt Reynolds. That simple. He's a man's man. Well, and you pointed out that it didn't matter what um, vehicle was uh, in the motorcade for the uh, the sheriff's department. 
James Brolin had access to it. He was he was on a motorcycle for a while. He was driving a Fury. You know, he had some other car that he was he was driving around. I mean, right? He he needed a lot of vehicles to to get around and to have that presence. Yep. Well, you know, right next to Ronnie Cox, think about R.G. Armstrong, who uh, who plays the the uh, domestic abuser. The uh, right. He's in uh, Children of the Corn. He's in a ton of other things. But as soon as you see him, you'll recognize him. He just plays that crotchety guy next door, and he plays it here. And uh, he comes into play late in the movie, but as a solid character actor, it's always good to see those guys. Kind of those guys you love to hate kind of guys. Exactly. Absolutely. All right. What you got next, Jake? What? (laughs) Good one. My next one is Angry American Indian Police. You got Chaz at the beginning of this, which he's he's a, a, an American Indian. He happens to be in the police department, and he's on a phone call when it first opens up in the police station, and he's just ripping this guy on the phone, basically saying that he was going to shoot an arrow up his you know what. Yeah, they. This scene is a. Uh, I'm not sure why they had this scene. They had a lot of kind of character establishment away from the car. You know, I think they wanted to, to make it a, a rich web of plots and and one of them was apparently the uh unfinished plot that he is a native american deputy who occasionally gets abusive phone calls from people saying hey you need to go back to what your people do and he says yeah well that means i'll track you down and shoot an arrow up your uh where the sun doesn't shine right kind of area we're keeping it clean what's your next one my next reason after ronnie cox and rg armstrong is uh you know, just when you thought it was safe to practice parades and stuff, you know, there's there's a there's a scene in there. Again, it's a very Jaws like scene where you have a number of kids and innocents who are practicing for a parade. And where do parades go? Roads. Right. What what handles roads particularly well? Cars or yeah. mini minivans, as they're sometimes called. Yep. And uh, so this mini minivan comes up out of the uh, desert and terrorizes a, a school group. Practicing for the big fair day parade. Right. Mm. And to conclude with that, for you folks out there playing at home and haven't seen the movie, here's a reason to watch the movie, I guess. Folks, do you like bad bands? I'm talking about like bad marching bands. Do you like white people that clap out of time? Then this movie is for you. Yeah, you get crappy band, crappy clapping, and they're all just sitting around kumbaya. It's pretty bad. But, uh, it's a great scene when they're practicing, and then, like he said earlier, when the when they're practicing out in the so-called street or the marching area, they're going to be coming through, and the car comes through. It's awesome, and it's set up to the point to where you see it coming, you know it's coming, and it's baiting you the whole time. So it does a good job of making you go, "Why can't they see this car coming?" Yeah. Why are they not preparing for this? Why are they waiting till it gets right up on them to start reacting? It's a little confusing. They're having some kind of a practice out in a field way out in the middle of nowhere. I guess the whole town is out in the middle of nowhere. And then uh, the cars come in, and it's preceded by this dust storm. And because of the dust storm, you know, they they don't prepare like they should, but but they start to run, and, and the car comes on in. It's scary. It's a good scene. It's, it's it, that's one of the highlights for sure of this movie. It just really starts kicking off what this car can do. Uh, we kind of skipped before, but uh, the guy that's over all of the deputies there is he the sheriff? 
The older guy? Yeah. Yeah. He is he the sheriff? sheriff? He was the sheriff. Okay. Anyways, the sheriff is played by John Marley, who you know from The Godfather. And Bob Marley's dad. <laughs> he's Bob Marley's dad. Hell me. <laughs> he, he's not. Well, I mean, he, he may be. He name. might be. <laughs> Same last name. Yeah. Uh, the Bob father. Jacob Marley. Yeah. Of, uh, of Christmas Carol fame. Yeah. But he was also in a, a favorite horror movie of mine called Death Dream, which is a Bob Clark, Clark classic. The guy that's behind Porky's and uh, Christmas Carol. Uh, he also did Black Christmas. But I really like this movie called Death Dream that this guy is in. And uh, you may want to check that out sometime. That's a different show. But uh, John Marley is a great actor. And uh, he, he always delivers. Uh, again, you find this guy. And as soon as you see him, you're going to recognize him. Yep. Uh, and that's the way it is with a lot of this I'm filming. You know, James Brolin, you might recognize his son, uh, Josh, or you might recognize him from, you know, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, or you might recognize uh, you know, Ronnie Cox from the multiple movies he's in. You know, you, there are a lot of really good actors in this. I, I don't want to say really bad movie. It's a good movie. It's just, it is what it is. It knows what it is. It's a monster movie with, with a car as the killer. And it's 70s. And the only thing that probably hurts this movie, and we talked about this while watching it, is, you know, some of the effects, the, the camera shots, I think, are really, really well done. And by the way, the transfer of this on Blu-ray looks better than the movie should look. Uh, there's no there's no reason for this movie to look this good. The, the yeah. Blu-ray copy looks incredible. But, uh, you know, they were limited to 70s styles effects of the time. Um, not dissing it, but you can tell that it was more of trying to push for more of the optical illusion without having to spend a bunch of money on, say, prosthetics or anything like that. So there's a lot of people being thrown in the air by cars, and you can tell that it's just kind of a spliced kind of piece of footage put together. But you know what? It's telling a story, and the story is good. It's entertaining. Since we were talking about John Marley a while ago, I've, the next thing I wrote down is don't drink and walk. Because remember, yeah. he leaves he leaves the department, and he's going to walk across the street and go get something to drink. And the car just mows yeah. him over in the middle of the street, and only two other people see him, and that's old crazy Ronnie Cox. Not Ronnie Cox, the other guy. Is that R.G. Armstrong? Yeah. And uh, then a crazy, this is my next reason, crazy American Indian old lady. Yeah, she's, she's. Well, I don't know that she's all that crazy. She doesn't speak English, so, you know, hey, the, the guy has to translate when, for when her. When the other Indian guy says that she's crazy, she's crazy. That's true. We trust Chaz. Yep. But I'm, I'm also going to say, you know, you might remember R.G. Armstrong because... Uh, although he's in a number of movies, he's also got that, uh, that popular and famous circus, the R.G. Armstrong Circus. <laughs> he, uh, you know, big cats, killer birds, fleas. Uh, he's right there with Sigmund and Freud. Mm -hmm. Hail me. <laughs> so now we're going to get into it. Okay, so here are the real reasons to watch this movie. I think we've Wait, gotten through. Those are real. <laughs> those those were the setup reasons. Those were the reasons that you watch until you get to the real reasons to watch it. The oh. car acrobatics. Right. You people that have seen it know exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, this about. car has been going around killing people. It's established that it's a bad dude. Yeah. It pushes a cop off of, of a cliff and then right after that it's on like Donkey Kong. <laughs> these 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 deputies are trying to, to, to you know, they're they're trying to play chicken. To wrestle it out because, you know, it's a car. It needs to be on the road. So far, it's done everything that a car can do. Now? Now it's going to break that fourth wall. 
Yeah. <laughs> so these two cars going side by side. Well, the car, not deterred, hits it, rolls over the top in several somersaulting flips, <laughs> and then lands back on its wheels and keeps on. It basically steamrolls the cars, and you see the car getting tore all to pieces. But when the explosion goes off, the car's on all fours and just rolling through like it's never got a scratch on it. I, I, I don't know how to describe this scene. It's awesome. Yeah. It really is. So watching this movie up to this point, Danny's over here going, yeah, yeah, whoop-de-doo, not impressed. Then this happens. Oh, yeah. Then he was like, okay. I'm a believer. I'm in now. There's Rawhead Rex, there's Pumpkinhead, <laughs> and now guess what? There's the car. That's that's putting it up there pretty high, man. <laughs> and Jaws. There's Jaws. Jaws 3D. And and there's Louis Gossett Jr. Dennis Quaid. And Quato. And Ron Jeremy. And Jeremy Bullock. And Bullock Ranston. John J. Bullock. John J. Bullock. Good one. Hell, man. <laughs> anyway. X for the win. You've got to see this scene, man. It's great. This car comes in and just sees two cars coming at it on both sides of the road. It just says, yeah, I'll flip myself up, become a little churning kind of machine, and just take the hoods and the roofs off of these cars and keep on trucking. So through the big explosion, he comes on through. Then big bad James Brolin down there with his Burt Reynolds mustache is waiting for him on a motorcycle. On a motorcycle. Right. He's not scared. No. He's like, Pfft. Yeah. Well, man, he just, you know, he just moved into a haunted house, had his family all killed and stuff there in, in Amityville. So now he's out here facing the car. He's not scared, man. Yeah, when the ninjas came and, and took the experimental <laughs> prototype uh, bicycle. Right. You know, he was he was P.W. Herman. Yeah, man. He, I mean, he's dealt with ninjas and battles like this before. He, he's not scared. He's scared. So how do you top the somersault scene? I'm glad you asked, right? <laughs> because I thought for for certain that the the somersault and the subsequent uh, battery of a police officer with a car door that hospitalizes him <laughs> would be enough for the car to forever hold in my top ten monsters. But what should happen to uh, to poor James Brolin's you know love interest, love interest, future wife? And and the only person in the town to stand up to the car. And band leader. She's the leader of this crappy she's band. She's the leader of the band. You know, she's trying to make them as good as she can. She's hollering at the car. Well. <laughs> <laughs> so she goes to visit James Berlin. Would you lose it? <laughs> no, you go ahead. Go ahead. I'm a moment of silence for, for the... Uh, <laughs> The victim of the car. Cause <laughs> the whole bunch. <laughs> well, so much should happen, but she gets home, you know, after after a particularly harrowing day from the hospital where her, her boyfriend got hit with the car door well, and is hospitalized. Her her band has been, like, traumatized and ran over by the car. Right. She had to hide out in a graveyard. Hide out in a graveyard. Yell obscenities at the car. See her friend take off running across the desert and almost get killed. <laughs> then she goes to see James Brolin in the hospital. So now she's just going home to relax a little bit and maybe get ready to go back to the hospital and check on him later on. But she's not alone. <laughs> now this scene right here, this is the one you're going to show everybody, mm -hmm. without a doubt. Because just like you said, you, you can't top the somersault. Oh, yes, you can. Because she gets on the phone. Well, first thing, there's a big wind starts blowing. 
Right. That's an indication that the car is coming. She's nervous. Don't know why. I have. There's no explanation to why you get a warning of when the car's coming besides a car horn yes. and seeing some lights coming down the road. So she runs and locks her house door in case the car comes knocking, I guess. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, she gets on the phone. And uh, with, with this incredible, and I don't want to overlook this either, this incredible portrait that's being painted of James Brolin, <laughs> James Brolin there, yeah. <laughs> over on the side. That's true. She's she's smitten. It's incredible. But uh, she gets on the phone and she's like, I don't know what to do. I think I hear the sound of that awful car's motor running right now. Headlights. And you're looking out the window, big portrait window out towards the front. And then out of nowhere... <laughs> The car just takes off through the house, four feet in the air. The car literally comes up four feet off the ground, comes through the window, mows her down, goes through the rest of the house, comes out of the side on another piece of road, another highway. How the car knew that there was road right on the opposite side it of the house. It doesn't need to know. <laughs> it is incredible. Then this big spectral snake wraps around the house and <laughs> squeezes it. And it, it, and it uh, implodes right there. And it takes your sausage legs. Yeah, well, no, that's that's a different <laughs> That's movie. a totally different yeah, thing. But, but the car commits an execution that I, I don't think there's a slasher out there that wouldn't be proud of. And the beautiful thing about it is even the cops say this after it's happened. That car jumped four feet off the ground and come through the window and drove through her house. <laughs> that is just awesome. They're ready to believe that this this this, this car is just a, a, a force, a demonic force. Of course, you know, James Brolin at this point said, no, no, but he's, he's emotionally yeah, compromised. He's not a wimp like Darth Vader. He's going to no. go out there and get it done. Oh. <laughs> All right, another reason. Here's a reason to watch it. Do you guys like Benny Hill? Thought you did. Yeah. So uh, there's a lot of footage in this movie. Remember at the end of Benny Hill or doing the, the little quick things when they start playing yakety sacks and they would just speed up the footage where everybody's running really fast? Oh, yeah. Yeah, all the car chases. <laughs> all the car chases, motorcycle chases. They just took the film and cranked the heck out of it and sped it up, and it looks sped up. Uh, that's just... Uh, it's pretty manic looking, though. It, make, it makes you nervous. It's uh, it's classic. <laughs> well, and while we're, we're stepping back for other reasons, I just got to throw this in there. During the uh, the preparation for the parade, uh, there was a moment without the car that made me go, holy jeez, and it was... Uh, yes. It was there for just a minute. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the other teacher at the school uh, makes an appearance at that point, and... Um, it's impressive. She's... Uh, She's ready for battle. We'll just call it that. <laughs> yeah. 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 I thought we were going to have to stop the tape for a minute and let him catch his breath. Just a minute. Yeah. But, you know. So, uh, long live the 70s. That's all I got to say. Yeah. Well, <laughs> anyhow, you'll see it and you'll know. It, it's awesome. She she gets hit by these cars and she rolls over the top like four times and then she lands on her feet. Keeps running. Over the top. Hail me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, <laughs> let's try to wrap this one up. All right, all, uh, all I've got, I've got two things left on, or 
three things left on mine, but I'll save the third one so we can talk before it because that is the finale. Right, right. Setting up the whole end game. I'm going to say there cool. are showdowns with the car. Right. There's a showdown in the garage between the car and James Brolin. Which is cool, but you got another window escape going on here where he jumps through the window to get away from he, the car. It's a, it's a much more compelling showdown with a car in a garage than I thought I would see. Right, because Danny even said, well, this is the odds that you want right here. He can't speed up. He can't go anywhere. Mm. And we're not talking about a garage as in like a big sheet metal building garage. We're talking about like a one-car garage. Right. And he's in the one-car spot. Right. And still dangerous. Um, and then the the second is the, the showdown. They get it set up for a showdown at the canyon because when the, the car goes down the canyon, he's trapped in sand. He can't go up the sides. They kind of generate some odds. And then they have an end game, which is a lot like uh, Tremors. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and again, we don't want to ruin it, but <laughs> let's just say there's a big explosion. And another reason to watch this is during the big explosion, they cut back to the group of guys that are oh yeah witnessing what's going on. These. Oh man, there's this one dude with the biggest <laughs> cheesemo smile I've ever seen, man. Yeah. They're, and they're <laughs> hilarious. You you will like did did you see that? Look at that guy. So. Yeah. Uh, Make sure you pay attention. Right. The movie's a lot of fun. It takes a long time to get going. You have a lot of character development that you think you wouldn't need in this movie. But uh, it, it pays off, man. It's a fun movie. It's, it makes it's, you care. It's a good choice. And uh, I, I'm glad to get to revisit it. I, I really, really enjoyed the house scene, man. And uh, I, I highly recommend you checking it out and just, just seeing these parts for sure. You know, I would almost say that the, that the house scene is like something you might see in a Dario Argento movie. Absolutely. Just, it's, I mean, like the only thing that a Dario Argento movie it would be a movie where the killer was a car and it, we would have the same scene and like maybe a remote control helicopter would fly through the, the house or something. But the whole setup for the scene, you know it's coming. When it happens, you're still just, just shocked and flabbergasted. Right. And without ruining this, and a lot of you out there listening that know this movie are saying, well, they're not even talking about the main premise of what's going on. No. So, there's the car. Who's driving it? The only way you're going to find out? Watch the movie. That's right. All right, so the reasons to watch the car. We've got teens getting killed while they're having fun. And what's more American than that? <laughs> uh, we got the Jaws-inspired soundtrack. You got the hippie, or is he, mm. with the French horn. He is. You got Ronnie Cox and R.G. Armstrong. You got serious, uh, excellent character actors. I'm trying to I'll steal from you as well. Crazy like, old Indian lady. The, the crazy old Indian lady. You got don't drink and walk because if you're a sheriff, you're bound to get killed by a car. Parade scene. You got the parade scene, which is full of gold. I mean, if you're looking for gold, you're mining for gold in this movie, watch the parade scene. Right. Parade and scene then, goes right into the graveyard scene. That's all tied in. It's excellent. Right. And then, you know, after that scene, they've got the whole county lockdown, which leads to the high-speed chases a la Benny Hill. Right. And the car killing some folks in pretty creative ways. And the car acrobatics. Right after that, you got, you know, the, the car taking out a guy with his, his driver's side door, which leads to his girlfriend going home alone. And when she's home alone... Oh, yeah. Well... It's curtains. That's right. And it's not curtains on the car door. It's cur curtains now ripped off and thrown in the floor on top of a deceased body. 
Which leads us to, you know, the, the final showdowns in the garage in the canyon and an explosion that has some some reactions from actors that are just just solid performances. Yep. Great cast. And some big name seventies folks in there. Elliot Silverstein directed it. Silverstein. Silver Spoons. That's a good show. Yeah. But uh, here we are. There's some great. There's some great shots in this Double movie, man. Really, scenes. really in- incredible creative scenes, like up close on the tires and all this kind of stuff that you didn't see a lot before this. So it draws a lot from the duel, especially in the, oh, in yeah. the tire scenes. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it even said so much in the uh, IMDb page about it. I'll go ahead and give it a rating of uh, five attractive <laughs> elementary school teachers from the seventies. Uh, I was going to give it uh, 17 17-year-old girls with bell bottoms. Jake? Uh, well, I've uh, never seen the movie, so I'll give it about 3.14125 out of 4.7. That's, that's very logical. That's, We're talking about some engineering yeah, pie going on. Just by on your there. notes, I'm going to watch this movie probably. Yeah. All right, awesome. Next and uh, Quiet Riot, what do you think of this movie? We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Gary Newman. It's a black car, and the windows are dark, and I can't see inside, and I'm scared for my life, the car. It's a black car, and it hates a parade, it can jump up four feet, and drive through your living room, the car. to the second movie of this show which is John Carpenter's Christine and John Carpenter that one more do you need to say it's a movie based on a Stephen King novel directed by John Carpenter about a killer car maybe that third thing is the weakest point and that is the point that we're going to talk about the most so uh, man this is Carpenter it, it, really at the top of his game everything he's putting out has has been you know well He's the he was the master of horror at the time, so he could do no wrong. Uh, this was an interesting choice for him to tackle next, and uh, holds up. I think it holds up very very well. It's kind of confusing in a way because the story's supposed to be late seventies, but they made it in mid eighties, so there's not a big time difference there. But they did a really good job of making it look like the late seventies. So, uh, like I said, interesting choice. I like this movie a lot. And we have a synopsis from Mr. Bill Cosby. 
I'm Bill Cosby, and today I'm talking about a movie called Christine, starring John Goodman and Ashton Kutcher. This movie is about a man who turns into a woman named Christine, and then is subsequently turned into a car, zippity-boppity-zips. But the car is a super sexy car, beautiful all the way from the wheels to the roofie. Oh, apparently my lawyers tell me I can't say the word roofie. So I guess I'll switch it with the word Rudy. Rudy! But the movie's got a special cameo by me, myself, Bill Cosby. I play a man who helps women get back into their vehicles after they passed out from a long night of drinking. And Christine, obviously, is the vehicle played by John Goodman. That is there to zippity-bop help me facilitate this. So I hope you enjoy this movie. It's directed by Karen Carpenter of The Carpenters and written by Martin Luther King. <laughs> uh, <Yeah>! <laughs> that's, our, that's our good buddy Johnny Krug from Kruger Nation sent that in for us. I, I begged him to do one for us, and uh, man, that's he, a good one, man. He did not disappoint. He, yeah. he delivered some... So kudos, buddy. That's awesome. Yeah, we heard some of his uh, his... Bill Cosby, when we did the episode, he threw a couple of Puddin' Pop references in there. Right, and if you haven't heard that episode, go back and check it out. It's a great episode. Yeah, it's episode 12. Yes. 12! That's two back. Episode 12, In the Pale, Pale Light of the Moon. Right. So, why do we watch Christine? Well, you know, there's a reason to watch all the movies from the 80s, whether they're about the 70s or not, and that's Bullies with Hair. <laughs> You want some flyaway hair? You want some bullies doing bully stuff? Nobody bullies better than 80s bullies. Right, right. So, you know, we got we got our awkward character that we're, we're starting to commiserate with and what should happen to him, but he is bullied like no other by some guys with some flyaway locks, man. These guys have some sideburns. They got some... some, some froze. They got I mean. some Jew froze. You know, one of the guys has got like some... I'm like some some uh, some Kurt Russell hair going on, right? I mean, some mutton chops going on, and some Wolverine looking things going on here on the side. And his friend, his friend just has like the short athletic guy cut, and he just can't command the crowd like somebody with some uh, with some rust colored locks. <laughs> so you people out there that's in my age group, particularly, uh, this is back when bullies were bullies. It wasn't these guys that we see nowadays that just call people names and stuff like that. These guys, you know, pulled out switchblades on you, took your lunch, took your money. Those are the bullies I remember growing up. So, uh, you know, these these are some bad dudes, and they look like they failed about 15 years. These guys look like they're about 45 years old and yeah. still juniors, you know. <laughs> so, uh, the mob. <laughs> oh, hey, yeah. Leave him alone. Go get a job. <laughs> At a hospital or or a car shop. So yeah, bullies awesome, with man. hair. That's my first reason. All right, uh, I just kind of have to go through the movie. I mean, to me, the opening scenes where they're working the assembly line. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it just it's just a good way to set things up because you don't know where the movie is really leading you unless you know the story. But seeing the assembly line and these things that happen look like they could totally be accidents that happen. And uh, it's just a great setup scene, played to the great bad to the bone. Yeah, <laughs> not my favorite song. A lot of people like it. 
It's just not my favorite. I heard it too many times. But yeah, the whole opening scene, the assembly line, I think really does a good job of setting it up. Nice touch to it, making it like it's back when they built the car. It looks great. I agree. It's um, like it's the setup, and then that's what you get with John Carpenter. Uh, we say it also with Sam Raimi. It's a movie about a killer car, but unlike the car, he he manages to take a lot of elements of the characters and weave them into the story in a way that that doesn't seem clunky or overdone. Right. You know, we enjoyed the car, but when you put them side by side, yeah. one of them is a well put together movie. The other one is an enjoyable romp. Right. You know, one feels like a made-for-TV kind of movie, and the other one feels like a movie. Yeah. So so John Carpenter does a great job of, of building a story, and you can't discount the fact that it's also a Stephen King. And say what you will about Stephen King, the man's body of work is enough to, to prove that, that he's got chops. What about you know, his body? That guy can write. What about his body? Hey, his body is pretty good, and his uh, little weasel face. I mean... <laughs> And admittedly by him, he says he looks like a beaver who's nearsighted. He's not an attractive man, but that dude can write. Yeah. That boy can dance. Picking teams, he would always be last. He couldn't run very far. He couldn't think very fast. <laughs> Some weird owl for you. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, my next reason to watch the movie is the guy that owns the car. When it's broke down and the boys drive by and see it. His name's Roberts Blossom. Dude's mm-hmm. been in all kinds of movies. He's, He's been in a ton of stuff. He's wearing like a scoliosis back brace out there in a yard. Yeah. Smoking yeah, and trying to sell this car to this guy that's just a complete hunk of junk. And uh, he's just a great character. And even when the uh, his buddy that's looking out for the little Arnie, the little nerdy kid, and he walks up and's like, hey, man, don't take advantage of this kid. And He, he gives him some choice profanity. <laughs> um it reminds me of of, uh, of uh, Victor Wong in Golden Child. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When he, like, sneaks the bad words in. He's like, whoa, what, what did you just call me? <laughs> Monkey breath, puke face, eats off tunnel shrine. Yeah, it's... It's that kind of thing where he throws the words and you can tell the reaction on the on the guy's face. is just like, I think you just insulted me, but I'm not like, sure what you said. Didn't expect that from an old codger. <laughs> but, you know, the next thing, and, and um, you touched on it just a minute ago. Keith Gordon is the name of the actor who plays Arnie, the uh, right. the main character in this, and his transformation. You know his his mania when it comes to the car that he's he's developing this bond with. You know, little story background. He's a nerd. His his parents run his life. He's trying to in his senior year kind of come out of his shell. He finds this car and immediately has this connection. He sees the freedom that it will allow him, and uh, and the car also makes a connection with him. He does a great job of as this changes his life, he separates from his family, he separates from his friends, and he becomes bound to this car. Boy, does he. I mean, the the moment he purchases the car, you instantly start seeing a change in him. But, and he's gone yeah. from super nerd to almost Arthur Fonzarelli. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I just want to say Keith Gordon, who's also in uh, Back to School, is where I... I Immediately recognized him Back from. to school. He's in The Burning. He's in Jaws 2. So he's just one of those people we've kind of grown up seeing him in a lot of stuff. I'm sure I'm missing several that he was in. Oh, yeah, but yeah. Those are the ones that stand out to me, too. Back to school, man. <laughs> this is great. His performance is a reason to watch the movie because right. he carries the story and 
being that he's the main character, he needs to. Right. And speaking of Arnie and his performance, what about his dad's mustache? His dad has <laughs> quite the stash. I mean, we just talked about the man's man, James Brolin, and the other one with a great Burt Reynolds mustache. This thing, man, looks like carpet. It's, it's heavy, man. It's uh, it's it's something to brag about. Yeah, I think that. Uh, well, you know, we we can't argue that his father was uh, a reason to watch the film. So, what's your next reason, Rick? Uh, mustache. Darnell, the guy that owns the the the, the shop, man. This guy is great, man. Uh, you can call it comedy gold, I guess. He's very rough, very offensive. Uh, doesn't hold anything back. Kind of a bulldog. And uh, so he owns this little garage and lets people come in and, you know, you can uh, use parts that are there. It's like a salvage yard kind of deal. He's got some great, great lines in this. And uh, he's just a, just a hard-nosed kind of guy. No bull crap. He's got a sign on his desk that says, In God We Trust, so everybody else has to pay cash. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he's got two sayings on here, and this one I've heard my whole life, but you can't polish a turd, which is great. But my favorite line in the whole movie is when he looks at Arnie and says, Don't think you got the gold key to the crapper, son. <laughs> and, you know, I recognized him, uh, again, like when I saw um, – Keith Gordon, I, I recognized him from uh, Back to School. When I saw him, I recognized him from Gremlins 2. Because in Gremlins 2, there's the guy who has the late night show, and he's uh, he's wearing the the uh, Dracula makeup, and that's this guy. I wasn't as familiar with Christine. I saw it when I was younger, and I immediately recognized him from that. And he is. He's a great character. He really adds a lot to the whole sequences where the uh, car is being restored or anything's going down in the in the. Uh, the garage, which a lot of stuff goes down in the garage. Oh, yeah. What do you know? It's a car-killing folks movie, and a lot goes down in the garage. There you go. Another reason to watch it, just like every other John Carpenter movie, even if it's a not-up-to-par John Carpenter movie, you can say this about every one of them. Reason to watch it, the soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Soundtrack's yeah. great. Both what you would consider the soundtracks are great in this. Anything, the stuff that John Carpenter did... Or even the stuff that's just a compilation of the old songs that are played throughout the movies from the 50s and 60s that kind of tell the story. Christine uses songs to communicate, you know, throughout. And uh, so the soundtrack, either end of this, is fantastic. It really works for the movie. You don't even have to see the movie and you hear it and you know it's John Carpenter. Yeah, I know that synthesizer anywhere. Right, right. Hugging puppy trouble. Little China. <laughs> so we got we got bullies with hair. We got Arnie from Back to School. We got a fantastic John Carpenter soundtrack. We have a, a well put together story brought to you by John Carpenter, and uh, and we got Darnell's Do It Yourself Garage. Yeah, Darnell's bad news, man. He's awesome. Uh, an, another scene, a reason to watch this. It's a great scene where his buddy, that's the jock, is running down the field. He's been after this girl kind of hot and heavy. Everybody's interested in her. Nobody can seem to date her because she kind of shrugs everybody off. But while he's running down the field into the end zone, he looks, and there's Arnie in Christine sitting there. And they get out, and he's got the girl with him, and they start lip-locking right there. He freezes in the end zone, gets thrown a pass. He catches it, and he upends and lands on his head. A guy tackles him, lands on his head, puts him in the hospital, they said within a centimeter more, it would have paralyzed him for life. So now he can't play football anymore. But that whole buildup and the whole scene is really well done. Uh, again, 
blurring that line between the 80s of when they made it and the time frame that it's supposed to be looks fantastic. You're not going to see cars that don't make sense. Everything makes sense in this movie as far as uh, the way that it's laid out and the time frame they're trying to put it in. So uh, it's a great scene. That's a that's a definite reason to stop and watch. Just moving on, I've got at the drive-in. Thank goodness there are guys peeking in cars who know how to do the Heimlich maneuver. <laughs> Obviously, Ar- Arnie and uh, the car have a connection. He gets the girl. Well, the car doesn't like the girl and, and tries to choke her with a hamburger somehow. Yeah. And, now, uh, no, the the dash, it's not like some Freddy Krueger thing where the hand comes out of the dash and it tries to shove a hamburger down the throat. She starts choking. The radio comes on. You see a bright light. And she starts choking on the hamburger. You know, the girl just decides she wanted to buy the hamburger. So Christine is pretty dang powerful to make these kind of things and, happen. And the radio comes on and it says, Are you who ready made? to piggy size, bitch? <laughs> <laughs> who made who? Who made you? Yeah, none of that happened. So, <laughs> but but a uh, a do-gooder manages to pull his girlfriend out of the car when she uh, unlocks the door and give her the Heimlich maneuver right there. Arnie's it's, going ballistic. It's a tense scene. It right. really is. And I, you know, at that point, there isn't a big body count, so she very well could have died. And at any point, any of these people survive or die. They, you know, she was expendable. I mean, you know, he's just a chick that he picked up at school as far as Arnie was concerned at the time. I mean, I think eventually he gets pretty serious with her, but at this point he's more interested in the car than he is the girl. Right. And you know, lots of people do get killed. Most of them are people who break into the garage and deface the car. The bullies. Um, mm. Because they have a bone to pick with Arnie and his friend. Cause they got expelled yep. uh, due to bullying Arnie. Early in the movie, you know, in typical bully fashion, I got a switchblade and I'm going to fight you and I'm going to trip you on the ground. And well, that that scene goes down. The bully scene is a great reason to watch the movie because it is pretty rough. But you also get Mr. Casey, the shop teacher, who is awesome. He's not messing around. That's right. And and Mr. Casey comes in and uh, and there's a lot of. Collar grabbing and slamming kids <laughs> up against tables. I'd like and, to put up your crap today, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and the main, yeah, again, the, the main bully is named Buddy. When we've seen that before. Yeah, Maybe yeah. We haven't covered any movies lately that had uh, three. No, no, man. It's like episode seven or eight. In one of our previous episodes, <laughs> there was a there movie me. that was all about a bully named Buddy. That's right. Three o'clock high. Check it out. Who drove a black car? I mean, I, it it might have been a retelling of this movie. So that's where you're going to find out when you go back and watch the car. You're going to find out Buddy Ravel is driving the car. Oh. Yeah. Plot twist. Hailing. Buddy Ravel. Somebody call M. Night Shyamalan because I think we have his next new movie. It's a twist. So the the bullies, uh, you know, they, they break in and, and, and Arnie has, has spent all this time rebuilding Christine and they just smash her to pieces. Which brings me to my next point. <laughs> After the car heals up and the, and the bullies start dropping like flies, as you would expect them to in a movie of this kind, you get Henry Dean Stanton. That's right. You might remember him from Alien. He was the wiry guy with the ball cap who had the cat and got killed by the alien. He's probably one of his most recognizable roles. 
but it's by no means his only role. Man, dude's been in everything. Again, we're talking about you know good character actors who really flesh out these movies, and they can't be undersold. I mean, they, they really and and he comes in as a detective. He's trying to figure out what's going on, and of course, the detectives in these kind of movies they have to swallow a lot of pills to figure out what's really happening. And he's uh, he's kind of on the trail, but he really just thinks it's Arnie getting him back. And right. then he's confused as the fact that that Christine heals herself up, so he doesn't even see the damage on the car. Yeah. So yeah, spoiler alert: if you didn't know already, Christine can take care of herself. She don't need no man. She needs a, a help to get started because she couldn't find parts. But after she found parts, you better look out, man. Well, I think maybe her rapport with, with a person, too. Right. Like, you have you know, to have she that was, strive off of it, I guess. When she was alone and in need of an owner, she, I don't know. Oh. That, she needed love so she could kill. Isn't that always the story? Let me ask you another question, kids. Do you like Danish cookies? No. Oh. I thought so, because, man, we're going to play a game here. You people go out and watch this movie, just try to find the box of Danish cookies, because it's in there. And it is possibly the biggest canister that you get, like, at Christmas of Danish cookies. Yeah, It's yeah. huge, man. It's amazing. bigger than most people's bass drums I've seen. Maybe it's somewhere in the movie. Yeah. So look out for Danish cookies. That's a challenge for you. Uh, here's another one, man. Here's, here's a clue. <laughs> it's in the hospital. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh. <laughs> All right, let's talk about this one. This one's pretty cool. And when this happened in the movie, Danny and I just looked at each other, and I went, uh-huh. So, girl's choked, right? She gets the high neck remover. <laughs> the high neck remover. She gets the high neck remover, <laughs> which is what happens when you drink too many high neck and they have to pump your stuff. The high neck remover, Yeah. Uh, so she's been choked, right? So she's upset. He drives her home. And he does like Pundo Sinatra does in Party Animal and says, Can I call you tomorrow? <laughs> That's for you Party Animal fans out there. Um, so when he comes back out <laughs> and gets in the car, the car is stalled and won't crank. So he has to sweet talk Christine. Come on, Christine. Don't mess up. He turns the key and don't do anything. Come on, baby. Turns it again. Nothing happens. The third time. I believe it's the third time. If you listen closely, you will hear from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original movie. The flashbulb. The flashbulb sound when he turns the key. See if you agree with me on that one. It's out there. And there's no doubt that's what it is. You know that it's sound. It's the sound. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's no copying that sound. It is what that is. So check that out. There's a little horror movie trivia for you there. See if you hear the Texas Chainsaw bulb sound in that. So the next thing I've got, and I'm going to say this about both the car and Christine. People running down the middle of the street <laughs> while they're being pursued by killer cars. Is if, if you're being attacked by a car, and this might or might not be a reason to watch the movie, but it's certainly an aggravation point. Running down the middle of the street, even as fast as you can, is probably not as good a plan as running <laughs> off the street, even if it slows you down. Because it's, uh, it's definitely not going to get you away from the car if you're running on the road. You know, folks, we try to do public service announcements here every once in a while, and that's a big one. If a car is trying to kill you, uh, get off of the road. Well, the problem is, is in the car. In the car, they're in the, the desert. Well, in the car, you, you can't even go in your house. It's true. That car can fly. But 
don't put yourself in danger if you don't have to. Stay in your house is still a better chance than just running down the middle of the street. Yeah, down the middle of the street's never going to get you there. Yep. Unless there is straight to the afterlife. Yeah, McGruff would tell you that's stupid. <laughs> he would say, <laughs> That's what McGruff the, time, the crime dog sounds like. <laughs> what? <laughs> anyway, to this point, you don't know whether or not Arnie is driving the car. You don't know if it's Christine killing people or if it's him because he's conspicuously absent in the killing of the uh, the bullies that have it in for him. And uh, at that point, you're not sure. You know, you can't tell if there's somebody driving or not. A big reason to watch it? The transformation, man. When the car's been damaged and it fixes itself, that stuff still looks great. It It's well put together. I mean, some of it's just cutting and cutting back. And some yep. of it is actually some... some the reverse more, photography. They take yeah. the film and reverse it. But the way that it's done, the way that they shot the stuff... It it looks believable. It looks as good as if you CGI'd it, really, in a lot of cases. Actually better. So, uh, hey, I have to hand it to you there. I think I think those those scenes are really, really done well. I like the doc scene where he chases the guy that you're talking about, and he chases him uh, Flounder. Flounder yeah, 2. Yeah, he's got him a Flounder we guy. We call him Flounder 2 because he looks like Flounder from Animal House. Right. But he runs into a docking area at like a warehouse, mm-hmm. which is narrow enough just for forklifts. And so he thinks he's outsmarted Christine. Well, guess what? She yeah. don't care. She, she rams herself and, and basically crams her car down to half the size to get in there and just ram this guy. And just flatten him against the back wall. So she tears herself up going down through there to get to him. And basically they say they cut him in half. Had to pick up his legs with a shovel. And uh, that makes me happy. And when John Goodman turns into that car the first time, that yeah. transformation scene. And it's is, hard for him to fit in that dock, too. It is. I mean, well, you know, he's lost some weight now, but at the time this was, yep. you know. It, he was King Ralph. Naming. So anyway, <laughs> you don't know if, if Arnie's the killer of Christine is, and then, and then there's a point right in there where they establish where Arnie is at the time of the killing. And at that point, you know that he hasn't gone bad. It's the car that's actually doing the killing. He might not be a great friend, but he isn't a killer. Right. Uh, the next thing to watch for, the whole gas station scene, man. The whole pursuit of after man. Buddy and, and other dude with the fro. Yeah. Yeah, there are, there are three bullies left, left to get, and Christine gets them all there like in a span of about 10 minutes. Could be the best scene in the movie. It's it's definitely there's there's an explosion, there's a high speed chase, and uh, and Christine manages to destroy Buddy's Camaro. Wow! Like uh, rams it once, makes Buddy mad. Next time, destroys it. Just goes all over it. Kills the little redheaded dude. Yeah, with the car. Then it busts the gas tank on the car, spills throughout the garage. Fire starts. Gas station blows up. Buddy takes off on foot, and guess what's coming right behind him? Christine on on fire. fire. Oh, if only Ghost Rider would look this cool, but he didn't. No. <laughs> CGI versus real. Right. That uh, car was really on fire. Yep. And Buddy was really running right down the middle of the highway. 
And we even said at this point, you know, he could like run off in the ditch or, you know, jump out to a field. No, he just keeps running rattling straight down the two-lane highway. And he's running pretty fast, but probably not as fast as a car. And in boots. Yeah. I believe he was in boots and was just, he was was getting it, man. And uh, just just not fast enough. And it's a great scene. This, this this could be the most powerful scene in the movie when he runs over Buddy. Because when he runs over Buddy, you don't see him hit him from the front. You just see the car going. Then all of a sudden you see the car kind of raise up or whatever. And then <laughs> you see a burning body laying on the road with, when he passes over it. It's <laughs> it's a good scene, man. Yeah, that's um, and that's the end of the the whole group of, uh, of bullies that did the damage to Christine. And, and so now it's, uh, it's on to, you know, real life, I guess. I guess Christine figures now there's just Arnie and her. Yep. But she's wrong. That's right. Then so, you got, uh, the car returns back to the garage. Yep. And Darnell thinks there's somebody driving it. So he's getting the shotgun. He goes over to it and tries to open the door. The door handle burns him. So he actually grabs a little rag, opens it up. Guess what? Nobody's driving the thing. He's, he saw the doors open up, the car roll in, park itself, and there's nobody in the car. This scene I don't understand. I call it Darnell's tight squeeze. For some reason, he's he decides to sit inside of this car that is burnt all to pieces. Maybe to the fact, I've been trying to rationalize why he would do this. There may be yeah. something we skipped that's actually in the book that they just didn't put in the movie, but... Maybe the fact of this car keeps getting tore up and it keeps coming back pristine every time. Pristine, yeah, Christine. I don't know. He he um he seems to just kind of want to sit in the driver's seat and be excited to do so. So what do you know? You know, Christine shuts the doors, locks the doors, and crushes him with the seat adjuster. Right. So I I just I still don't understand why he got in the car. If somebody knows, let us know, and we'll still say we we'll, it doesn't make any sense. But anyways. Um, besides that, the next day, Arnie comes in to check on the car. There's cops everywhere. And guess what? Christine's right back to normal like she was. Right. They find Darnell dead in the car. And so now they just kind of keep, you know, following Arnie around because they know that something's going on. So now we, we get more or less to the end. You know, Arnie's friends decide to intervene and they say, if Christine's the problem, then we'll take out Christine for our friend. And there's a showdown at the garage. Right. They uh, they make it known that that's where they're going to be. And uh, this time, Arnie does drive the car in to attack him. So he has gone the whole nine yards, and now he is he and Christine are a killing duo. Right. So it's kind of hard to tell. Are, are they the same? Is just one controlling the other? Is it just a it, it's it's a it's a strange relationship? <laughs> just leave it at that. Right. It's a strange relationship. There's a great fight between the, the, the group of them and, and the, uh, his friends have managed to get a, a big earth mover so that they can, you know, fight Christine with it. And they manage to, uh, to go back and forth. Arnie gets killed. You think it's over for a minute, but then Christine gets right back in there and attacks. Right. You get kind of a little, uh, uh, jump scare there for a second because he, he comes flying out of the windshield of the car during an, an impact. Yeah. Then he jumps up and goes, Rah! and uh, he's got a big, huge shard of glass basically through his chest and uh, pulls that out and, and he, he caresses the front of Christine for a second and then he's gone. But does that stop Christine? No. No. Mm. She's still ready to go. 
So they they fight for a while, and the Earth Mover manages to get the better of her, and and they drop her in the uh, the compactor. Oh man, the the bulldozer running over the car. Yeah, like fifteen times. Oh man, and even while the bulldozer's rolling over her, she's reforming her. her yeah, she's trying fenders, to she's trying know? to get back in the shape to keep battling, and he just keeps crushing her and crushing her. And then uh, you time. get you <laughs> you get the big scene where. You know, it's it's daylight, and all of a sudden you see this big, big block of a hunk of metal just fall from the sky. So she's been run through some sort of processor where they've just crunched her down to a little bitty square of metal, and uh, they're there to observe that. Then all of a sudden they start hearing like old classic songs playing again, so they start freaking out. And it's just homeboy back there with his jam box jamming on some classic tunes. Yeah, he's he's chewing on a stogie. Yeah. He gives him a look like what? I'm just doing my job yeah. here, right? He looks like the janitor from uh, Raising Arizona. Right. Yeah. So uh, that's kind of the conclusion there, except you get one more little kind of uh, the ending or is it kind of thing. Kind of like Ming with his ring. Right. A little the end question mark. Right. So uh, it's a classic. I think it holds up well. Could they do a good remake of it? I think what they would do is they would do a good job of casting Arnie. And Arnie's friends with uh, with characters that uh, teens would want to watch a movie of, and then they would make the mistake of not casting the uh, the old man who sold him and Darnell. Right. They would make the mistake of not making those characters their pivotal characters. I mean, they're, they're very very important to this movie. Exactly. And you know, if they don't make that mistake, maybe it could be remade. But again, it it doesn't need to be. Nope. The effects in it don't need upgrading. There isn't anything where you go, oh, that looks hokey. It looks good because it looks real. And I'm not just saying that because I hate CGI. I think CGI has its place. But in this, they managed to do all the effects they needed to do well without them. So there you go. That's kind of our thoughts on the movie. Uh, It's John Carpenter, man. Uh, Again, this time period, you can grab anything of his catalog at this point. It's all good. I can't think of anything in that time period that wasn't top shelf material. Yeah. So is it time to give it a rating? Sure. I think it might be. All right. All right. I'll give it um, 18 fender benders that pop out after. I give it 27 Texas Chainsaw light bulb sounds. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Billy Ocean, what do you think? All right. We'll be right back. Howdy hi there, friends and neighbors. This is your old pal, El Monte Slim, telling you to come on down to Allied Motors here in Overton. We got some out-of-side bargains down here on cars, and be sure to bring the kitties, too. We got free pony rides and lollipops for the little folks. Talking about suckers, look at this sucker over here. That's a 58 Plymouth Fury, Hellfire Red. She's got a few miles on her and a few dings and scratches over here on the, the well... Well, she did have some damage. Looks to be A-OK right now. The radio is stuck on the oldie station, and the door locks sometimes work on their own. But other than that, she's a steal at forty-nine fifty. Got a personalized plate that says, Christine, someone done named this beauty. It can be yours today, so come on down to Allied Motors. We also just got this nice Ford van, black with red stripe. Looks as if someone has welded a battling ram to the front of it as well. Has a few bullet holes, but runs like a top. It can be yours for forty-two fifty today. 
today. We'll even throw in the gold chains hanging from the mirror. What do we have over here? Well, just traded in is a beautiful white Ford Bronco. Quick turnaround sale can be yours today for $37.50. Has monogram seats with the initials AC and looks to be a good vehicle for low speed chases. And finally, now if you're looking for the car, my friends, this is the car for you. We got a blacked out 1971 Lincoln Continental Mark III. Flat black, tinted windows, and chrome bumpers and wheels. This beauty is built tough and would make a great Sunday driver. It can be yours for four grand today. Bloodstains included free. We need these off the lot. Everything must go to make room for new inventory. You're probably wondering how to get here. Will you take any freeway and get off on the Washington Cutoff? Go 57 miles to get to a north and a south? You don't want to go north, you stay south and head straight south till you come to a tasty freeze. Hang a ride and go 37 miles till you get to a Sinclair station. You go on that Sinclair station, walk right up to the counter and ask, where the hell am I? Come on out and see us today at Allied Motors. All right, guys, we appreciate you hanging out with us on this episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, again, just trying something a little different, trying to give us some more variations uh, for people to check out the show. Uh, we just want to keep getting better and uh, grow. We hope you enjoyed the, our first listener recommendation show. Eric Taylor is one that brought these movies up. So if you folks have uh, movies that you'd like for us to cover, put them out there on Facebook, send them to us in an email, whatever you want to do. Uh, we're at the point of where we'd like to do some of those. Of course, we still got a back catalog of things we want to get through, movies we feel like that uh, people deserve another look at. So uh, just send that stuff to us. And uh, we got a lot of things going on, a lot of promos and stuff to be watching out for that's coming up. And uh, we're on a lot of different new uh, stations coming out, so be looking out for that kind of stuff. Yeah, so um, like Rick just said, we are on different platforms. We are now on Google Play, uh, Stitcher uh, coming up. We have some promos that are going to come out on the YouTube channel for older episodes and for the most recent ones. We're still on Legion Podcasts, and we still uh, throw our lot in with that bunch. They're a good group of people, and it's been a fantastic community to start with. And uh, we're just, uh, like Rick said, trying to continue to broaden the methods that you can get to us and uh, and make sure that you can contact us. Make sure you go on. If you go on iTunes, we're on iTunes as well. And uh, Podbean, if you go on to iTunes, give us a rating. If you see our video on YouTube, you know, throw a comment down there. Yep. Just, you're going you're gonna to see some instructions for that coming pretty soon anyway. So uh, be, be on the lookout for those promos uh it may make you want to go back and watch the old episodes again it's going to kind of give you an introduction to the episode and an outro to the show uh just something we've been wanting to do uh again we like to get together and be creative so uh it's been a lot of fun we put a lot of work into it and uh, so be looking for those and hopefully it's going to make people want to check out old episodes and keep growing and watching the new episodes as well and remember these promos that we put together are super serious so don't let that turn you <laughs> off that, you know, they're not the fun-loving guys that they used to be because these things, they might be a little dry. They, they may make you turn them off. Who knows? <laughs> we want to thank Jacob Candidate for stopping by and hanging out with us for a little bit. Thanks, Jacob. And uh, that was fun. Uh, we are in my hometown. We got a chance to actually get together and do a lot of work today. So it's been a lot of fun. We're a little tired. Uh, we've done a lot today. And uh, so we appreciate you guys listening. Just keep uh, keep telling us what you like and uh, ways that we can keep getting better and we just appreciate you guys listening always go check out legion again there's a lot going on they keep gaining more shows all the time 
So uh, things are going great over there. So go check out just the multitude of shows going on. Thank you very much. Everybody, good night. See ya. <laughs> I've even got opening credits. I've got the wrong. I've got the wrong note. Excuse me while I shuffle. <laughs> All right, thank you. All right, yeah, I was I was getting the shuffling sound effect in case there wasn't enough shuffling paper. <laughs>